Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. You know, one of the most hopeful components of the Christian life is knowing that Jesus is on mission to transform us from the inside out. He wants to make us more loving, more caring, more forgiving, and so much more. And today, Pastor Nate's going to help us see how this transformation process directly affects the relationship between married couples. Let's get into it. I thought we could just take this opportunity for you to just kind of give me some marriage advice. Just, I know this article is for other people, but I just want to capitalize on this moment for you to speak to me directly. So to I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions just about marriage, you know, let it rip Riley. <laughs> Seriously though, dude, these articles, um, I think you're writing four articles about marriage, right? About the marriage principles from non-marriage verses. Yep. The four. little series of four. So we're in the second one. These have been really great so far. I think if you're married, they're super helpful. If you're not married, these are um, verses that, as Christians, we're all wanting to hold to, allow God to use in our lives. So very applicable to anyone who's reading this. But as a married dude, I'm just really appreciating these. Um, This article in particular springs out of 2 Corinthians 3.18, which like you mentioned in the title, it's not typically a marriage verse, but a verse that has really spoken to you and Christina in your lives. Um, let us in on that verse a little bit. What is Paul getting at in Second Corinthians 3.18? Yeah, so big picture, all these articles, yeah, that's the idea, you know, that there are passages in the Bible that talk about marriage directly, but there are many passages in the Bible that have principles and truths that should radically impact a Christian oh, yeah. marriage if they're appropriately applied there. So this is kind of this little series is similar to that article I wrote a long time ago, six supracultural parenting principles, right. biblical parenting principles. The idea being that all throughout the Bible there is the truth that we are to trust God, for mm-hmm. instance. Well that is a really huge parenting principle for Christians, you know, that, that in the process of parenting my kids, I, I trust the Lord. But if you're looking oh, yeah. for all the parenting verses in the Bible, uh, you might not find one that really talks specifically about some each one of those various, you know, principles that are just true of Christianity and life. So this is a kind of a similar concept, you know, these four articles that I wrote. And really, all I was trying to do was not think creatively about, Hmm. you know, cool verses out there that could apply to marriage. Really, what I was trying to do was just think of a handful that Christina and I use a lot. Yeah. And so this is one of them. I love that. And in 2 Corinthians 3, yeah, what Paul is doing in in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians is he, he talks to the Corinthian church about what the Israelites had with Moses. They had something beautiful, he said. You know, it was glorious. But it was a ministry, he said, that led to death. You know, because the law convicted them. The law uh, really was a witness against them, sentencing them 
to death and failure and falling short of the glory of God. So in a sense, it was designed to help them say, we, we need a savior. We need something else. So the prophets came along and they were talking about the new covenant that would come mm. someday and yeah. the Messiah that would come and bring that new covenant. And so Jesus came and he did bring that new covenant. He had the on the day, the night that he died, he took the bread and took the cup. He passed the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that my blood shed for you. So Paul then in this chapter, he talked about that new covenant. That's better than Moses and what they had back then. Again, he said it was, you know, it was powerful. It was glorious, but it, it, it didn't lead to real transformation. It didn't lead right. to lasting change. It didn't lead to permanence. And he gave the example even of Moses. He said, you know, when Moses came down from the the mountaintop where he interacted with God or when he came out of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where he would meet with Mm -hmm. God more regularly, all of those times his countenance was changed, the Bible says. He would actually, he was visibly transformed and he would cover himself. And when you read that in the Old Testament, the reader walks away thinking, okay, he must have covered himself because it's embarrassing or distracting or, you know, just too much for the people to look at. But here in Second Corinthians 3, Paul gives us a cool insight. He says, oh, part of the reason that Moses covered himself is because the glory was passing. It was fading. So transformation happened, but it didn't last. So... That brings us to our own lives. As we're walking with the Lord, experiencing Him, there is an old covenant way of engaging with God. Yeah. There's commandments. I try to do them. I try to just make myself better. I try to improve myself. And that kind of change is temporary. But the new covenant, the new covenant can actually change a person from the inside out. Because when you're born again, you become a new creature within, but the Holy Spirit needs to bring that new nature that's within, without, or outside of you. Yeah. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 concludes Paul's big argument about the how the new covenant is better by saying, And we all, with unveiled face, so we don't, like Moses who veiled his face, we go before the Lord, we unveil our faces before the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what he's talking about there is he's saying, look, in the new covenant, when you walk with the Lord in in this newness of life, enjoying this new covenant, this grace, the spirit, the word, when you're walking in the new covenant and hanging out with Jesus, Hmm. you know, beholding him, taking off the veil, engaging with him, you are being transformed so the Greek word metamorpho, we get our word metamorphosis from it. Think of a butterfly, cocoon, you know, kind of thing. We are being transformed into, he says, the same image. Come on. So we're becoming like Jesus. Yeah. 
And it happens from one degree of glory to another, it says. So it's progressive, it's steady. Yeah. It's not, you know, too many Christians are looking for the big rocket blast oh, totally. kind of stuff. I yeah. came in one way and I left another way. And, you know, the Lord does do those miraculous yeah. deliverances, but there's always a lot of stuff left, bro. So always, don't man. stop with like, you know, I used to be a drunkard. I came to know Christ and now I don't touch the stuff and I'm good. You know, there's, you know, praise the Lord for that, but they weren't celebrating Jesus because he wasn't a drunkard and that's it. You know, there was a lot about him that God wants to produce in your life too. Right, that's good. So one degree of glory to another, and then this happens from the spirit or by the spirit of the Lord. So Christina and I, we've always, we've, we've applied that to our marriage in that we believe that Christ, no, I'll say it in a better way. We believe that the Spirit wants to transform each one of us to be like Christ as we individually spend time with Christ. That's good. Yeah. Heck yeah. I love that. In the article you wrote, real transformation comes from walking with Jesus. And that actually reminds me of the conversation we just had last week uh, about your article, The Point of Life. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out in the feed. Um, good stuff about becoming more like Jesus. But in the article, Nate, you you mentioned that, and then you go on to talk about six different ways in which this truth is played out yeah. um, in your lives, specifically as a married couple, and um, how this verse really applies to you. So I have six questions Do about it. each six point, yeah, okay. points. I'll up. pace myself. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Love to be able to get through these if we can. But this first point is about you and Christina's quiet time with God. And like you just mentioned, um, you talked about how there's like an individual transformation um, between you and the Lord and then together that kind of really affects your marriage. So this quiet time, let's talk about it for a minute. What does this look like for you and Christina? Is this together? Is it separate? How does that work for you guys? Yeah, it's separate. I get up before she does. It's just kind of the rhythm yeah. of our lives and, and the way my body works and <laughs> all that, but I get up, make coffee, go sit down and read the Bible for a while. Then I walk around and pray for a while. Mm. Uh, She usually, as I'm kind of wrapping up my reading time, she'll usually get up and get her coffee and head back. She sits in the bed and, you know, gets her covers and sits up and all that. And and she gets out her journal and and, uh, reads and, you know, writes in her journal and prays. And uh, so... You know, yeah, it's it's a separate kind of thing. But, you know, it's such a part of the rhythm and routine of our lives. Uh, and look, we're blessed to be able to ha- have a predictable schedule for right. the most part, yeah. a routine, you know, and all of that. So I'm not saying that that's exactly what it needs to look like for every, you know, person on the face of the earth. But just for us, there's that that space in life that time in our lives where you know we it's it's not a legalistic thing it's not like a a a drudgery or like i have to do this you know kind of thing um it's honestly my favorite part of the day i love it it really sets the tone for Mm -hmm. my whole life and and a whole day in a lot of ways and if 
you know, if I, if I stopped or if she stopped the other, we, you know, we'd look and kind of wonder like, Hey, what's going on? You yeah. know, what's, you don't seem okay. You know, what's happening? Like that used to be something you were really engaged with. And now that's, I don't even see it happening. Like what's, what's mm. going on, you know, but it's again, not in a legalistic law filled, you know, like we must read the Bible today, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, well, I love the Lord, you know, he's got things he wants to say to me, stuff he wants to speak into my life I'd, I'd hate to miss that you know so hmm. we prioritize that yeah. that's good man i love that and for us priority means first in the day but like i said you know that's not the thing for everybody right right that makes sense depending on your life stage and your work schedule all that i'm sure it flexes but it is a priority still uh the second point has to do with uh, i thought this is really good nate the type of environment that you guys have um, that you've created in your marriage when it comes to dealing with sin, um, can you kind of talk to us about what that looks like in your marriage? You talk about the kind of grace-filled atmosphere you guys have kind of created. What does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of couples kind of downward spiral and they start cultivating an environment that is hostile yeah. to the other, counting the sins and the faults of the other. Um, hey, I did this for you. Why didn't you do that for me? Yeah. Kind of environment. Um, choosing to fixate on the shortcomings of the other rather than the, you know, signs of grace and transformation in the other. Um, you know, when, when there's, when it's old covenant, there's not a lot of apologizing because to apologize means that you are admitting that you fell short. And when you're in a law and death, kind of relationship or you're in an old covenant kind of relationship falling short is a nightmare yeah you know but in the a new covenant relationship with the lord and with other people you know falling short is it's expected that it's going to happen mm-hmm. so it's not as bruising to yeah. uh, the ego or as terrifying as it would be if you were in an old covenant kind of thing so you're you're quicker i think to apologize and express your own you know sorrow and regret for things that you have done um and there's a a hope i think also about the other person and about yourself that you won't always be this way that you could be transformed that you could be different i think in a sense you know it almost motivates you to grow even more because you start really thinking, cool, I'm not destined to be a punk. Yeah. You know, I, I'm destined to become like Jesus. So I want to spend time in his presence. So the spirit has something to work with to transform me to be more and more like the Lord. Yeah. Oh, that's good, man. That grace atmosphere rather than death atmosphere. Is so good. Um, the third thing that you mentioned was how you and Christina both prioritize a spirit saturated (laughs) spirit saturated settings it's kind of a tongue twister for me Mm -hmm. i just love that it's like a really uh i mean for me being like a visual guy that makes a lot of sense spirit saturated setting um tell us what are these settings and uh how do you kind of get them on the calendar what does your calendar look like with these yeah what i wrote is i said god has put his stamp of approval on the bible the gathering together with other believers, yep. 
prayer, giving, and service. So we prioritize all those elements in our weekly rhythms, partly so that he might transform us. Hmm. We believe transformation comes as we read and pray, but also as we extend ourselves in generosity, generosity, fatigue ourselves in service to others and receive from other believers' lives. We try to set up our calendars and, and lives to reflect these beliefs. So, yeah, for us, you know, that means that, um, you know, we believe that it's important for us to, to go to the places and be in the environments that the Holy Spirit has put his seal of approval and has announced ahead of time, I will be there. <laughs> that is where I'm going to operate. Heck yeah. You know, so when, that's part of the reason why we love to be in the word, because we mm. know that the spirit yeah. is about the word. We love to be with other Christians, so we like because the Spirit is present and shaping and molding us. It's not just we don't just see it as like we need to be with other Christians because we need to minister to other Christians. We feel a responsibility to do that, of course, but we feel that other Christians will have something to offer to us and help shape and mold us. Uh, We believe that when we extend ourselves in generosity. that the spirit takes that and he does something incredible in our hearts that he gives us victory over our idolatry of money, our uh, worry and concerns that we have about finances and all of that. Um, So we, you know, so, so I mean the way this shows up is just so, you know, it's not, it's not glamorous or like, you know, a bunch of hippy dippy just like follow the follow the oh, feeling yeah. man it's not <laughs> that it's just okay well look at our calendar right now like our calendar is so self-focused mm. you know like when are we gonna be with other christians you know yeah. so like i love you know we sit down we do our calendar it's like during life group time it's just in there life group life group life group life group every wednesday night that's what <laughs> is happening we're going to life group you know or, um, you know, church services, you know, Sunday, oh, yeah. you know, for, for us, it's a, for me, for me, it's a Sunday night thing too, you know, but they, it's like a thing, you know, for, for us in our marriage, you know, like I, I've got my responsibility on Sunday, you know, I'm usually teaching the Bible, but she also, she loves children. So mm-hmm. she's embraced, uh, the fours and fives year old class at the first service of the day to serve and to lead and to teach that every single week uh, as long as she's around. Um, You know, so it's like you just see it on your Google calendar, you know, (laughs) like church. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when it's in that calendar, you get ready for it, you know. Um, And then, um, you know, you make your budget and you got your spreadsheet or whatever, you know, you're setting it all up and, okay, uh, generosity, you know, where's that? you know, in this budget that I've put together, you know, and and so, you know, we're going to prioritize that. That is a spirit saturated setting. We believe that the spirit is going to be there or, you know, the, our, like we talked about a second ago, our morning times, you know, I put my devotional time in my calendar that's That's in there, you know, that's part of my life, you know? So, um, it's all very just, (laughs) you know, very, uh, life, (laughs) basic stuff to prioritize those settings but you kind of got to think about them get them in there because if you don't then uh you know 
your life's just going to be filled with soccer practices and that's it. You know, you just, you've got to, you've got to prioritize those settings because if you don't, your life will get prioritized for you. For sure. You got to fight for it. That reminds me of, um, last night, the, the day that we're recording this podcast last night, we had an intro to Calvary class. Yeah. And I loved how you mentioned in that, that Christina shot you a text just saying, I'm so glad, like, I wish, I wish that we could spend time together, obviously, but just glad that you're at that intro to Calvary. It's just an important thing. It's cool that you help each other prioritize those kind of um, spirit saturated yeah, totally. settings. You know, and I, I think I, you know, I need that encouragement sometimes, you know, when she's off, um, you know, putting in the calendar and the schedule to go mentor a younger right. woman, you know, she needs that encouragement yeah, from me, totally. you know, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's taxing to do stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, you, you, there's times, you know, she'll a lot of times on Sunday afternoon, like right before I go back to church for the night service, she'll be out, you know, at a coffee shop or walking with somebody mm. and, you know, pouring into them. And it's like, man, she's tired at the end of Sunday morning services and the end of a long week. And she's got a big week coming up. So like to encourage her, like, Mm. I think that's so valuable. I'm so glad that you're doing that. You know, that's important. And, and, you know, we try to be a pretty balanced uh, couple, you know, our lives are not overrun by the church because they easily could be. There's more opportunities than we would ever know what to do with. But yeah, that was cool. Last night she <laughs> she did yeah she she, she said hey hun just wanted to say I think it's awesome that you're doing intro tonight. Of course I would always love to have you home, but I am so glad you are serving people by putting this thing on. It's helpful and valuable and fruitful and just so good. Come on, looking forward to connecting with you when you get home. Dang, that's some life giving stuff right yeah. there. And then. Also, if you're done early and you don't feel like waiting for Lauren, I'll totally pick her up. From... <laughs> so, some little uh, parental. Oh, man. That's so great, man. Love it. Hey, let's keep moving on. So um, this fourth point. So fourth point has to do with patience for one another. And uh, I know in marriage that sometimes it can feel like we just want to exercise patience just for the sake of not rocking the boat, you know, just kind of keeping things going. Um but I know there's got to be more purpose to having patience in a marriage than just that. So for you guys, um, what what is the purpose in being patient with one another? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's not even fair for me to talk about this because <laughs> she's Christina is so patient mm. with me. And I cannot imagine how difficult it would be to be married to a woman who just never let the Lord work in her life Hmm. because that's what helps me be patient. It's like, okay, cool. Like God is changing and shaping her from one degree of glory Hmm. to another. Yeah. So there's this progressive thing happening and you know, I, I don't even feel like there's all that many things that I even have to be patient with in Christina's life. That's what, that's what I mean. Like, it just feels like it's not even fair for me to, <laughs> to, to talk about this. But I think that when you begin to embrace that perspective that, you know, as mm-hmm. we engage with the Lord in this new covenant kind of way, there's progress that is being made 
from one degree of glory to another. And just like, think about your own stuff. Think about your Mm -hmm. own life. Think about all the like things that the Lord's trying to work in you and how hard that is, you know, and how slow that process is. I think that it embeds in you as the individual patience for the other person yeah. because you're just kind of recalling and remembering, wow, you know, me and Jesus, we've been working on this little problem in my life for like a decade now. (laughs) And I seem to be just fine with like being patient with myself and, you know, the Lord will work it out of me, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) But we need to extend that patience to our you know, obviously every other believer, but to our spouse as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of vibing off of that a little bit. The fifth point is all about trusting God to do that deep work in your marriage. Can you talk about how that plays out in your marriage? Is it more of like a, like a hands-off approach when it comes to seeing your spouse grow or is it like, just how how does that work for you guys? Yeah. So I, this one is is uh, huge. You know, it, I wrote, we still think it is God who does the sanctifying. Right, you know, right. We, we believe our marriage is going to be used to help sanctify each other, but we believe it's God who does the sanctifying. So, you know, Christina and I, we, we definitely will get into stuff. You know, we'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about deficiencies or perceived efficiencies, you know, things that bother us about the other person and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But as much as we might do that, I think probably what we do more in what we communicate is talk about our own deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Like here's where I'm feeling really weak and where I'd like to grow. But I think probably my guess would be that on average, we just talk about all that stuff a lot less than I think a lot of people do. You know, I just, it's hard for me to uh, uh, even imagine like, you know, because I know in some marriages it's like, here's what's wrong with you. And I don't like this. And I want you to do that for me. And I want you to change this. And I want you to be that. And I just, uh, that's just not how we roll. We just don't really do that. So I, I feel like this is a really important one because, Uh, What I said here was, you know, we let go of the nagging, the pressure, the complaints that are often attached to feeling as if your spouse's spiritual and personal growth is dependent upon you. A lot of people feel that way, you know, like I got to make my wife or I got to make my husband into something. Mm. I got to work on them. I got to make sure they know what the problems are. I got to address it. I got to readdress it. I got to continue to stand up for myself over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of times where to a degree, all that stuff is true, but when people are walking with the Lord, at least, how does transformation come? You know, it says there by the Lord, it's Mm -hmm. the spirit who does the work. It's the spirit who transforms us, who shapes us. And, um, you know, it just... To, to think that we're actually going to produce transformation, real, legitimate, yeah. heart transformation in someone else through nagging or bitterness or mm. yelling at them or yeah. whatever. It's just not going to produce anything real. It might produce something temporary, mm-hmm. but that temporary thing that's produced is also going to be filled with bitterness. Mm-hmm. So it's eventually just going to come back to bite you in the first place. 
So it's really helped us trust that God is doing the work in each other. I love that. I love that. That God brings the growth. Well, let's talk about this last point. We kind of all right. Number six, man, we've been cruising through this, cruising through it. Question number six. Um, you say in the article that Jesus can change anyone from the inside out. That is a huge truth for marriage. Like you're just talking about. Can you talk to the person maybe who's listening right now, who's feeling hopeless about their personal shortcomings in their marriage, or maybe who are listening and they feel a hopelessness about their spouse in their marriage. How can they hold on to hope when it feels like things are just like maybe not working out right now? Yeah, one of my favorite um, phrases from the New Testament to talk to church um, leaders Mm -hmm. or staffs about is from this passage, Uh, not verse 18 like we're talking about, but a few verses earlier, 2 Corinthians 3.12, Paul says, we have such hope. Like in the midst of thinking about the old covenant that produced death and, uh, you know, falling short of God's glory and fading glory, temporary transformation that wasn't real or lasting versus the new covenant that could be real lasting, permanent, transformational stuff. You know, Paul said, we have that hope. You know, we we have that belief that that kind of transformation could happen in a person's life. And I try to point that out to people that are serving the Lord in, in um, you know, church leadership because, you know, as, as you're kind of going throughout your day, You know, rarely does the phone ring and it's like, hey, we got an emergency. We got to make sure that we tell you that we just had devotions for seven days in a (laughs) row and we are loving each other. Like, usually that's not what happens. Oh, yeah. Usually it's, you know, my wife is about to take my head off. Yeah. And, you know, we're at a real bad impasse, you know, and you, you just kind of will come face to face with in ministry, a lot of the death and falling short of God's glory. And, you know, it can be discouraging at times. So I try to point out that, you know, in the midst of all this, and Paul knew human depravity better than anybody, Mm. there's this hope, this hope in what could happen if someone were to not just believe in Jesus because I think it's possible for someone to believe in the Lord, to be born again, to be a Christian and to just have no concept of the new covenant, no concept of what God is trying to do. And they just really relate to God in an old Testament kind of way. I mean, I'll go out on a limb. I I think most modern Christians are living an old covenant relationship Mm. with God, but to hold out the hope that, a new covenant relationship with the Lord could yield this kind of fruit for your spouse. I think that's good, you know, to, to have that hope. So I love that, you know, Christina looks at me and, and, you know, there are things we've been married for 17 years now and yeah, man, things are going great. You know, we love each other so much, but I can't imagine what it's like being married to me, man. You know, I mean, that's, you know, Mr. T used to say, I pity the, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. <laughs> My wife's not a fool, but right. I did kind of trick her there for a little bit, you know. And, 
man, you know, just that's a challenge, you know, but for her to be able to look at me and to have that hope, like, Hmm. I believe that the Lord is transforming this man more and more into the image of Christ. Uh, That hope is important. So I think that's, that's a, that's a great place for a couple to be, to have that hope, maybe not in the person, Mm -hmm. but in the person of Jesus Christ and what he could do if the spouse, their spouse got a hold of him in a greater degree. If you'd like any more content from Pastor Nate, you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com. And if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for Pastor Nate's new book called Let Us Hear. It's coming out soon and you can pre-order it today online. Thanks again for joining us today in this conversation. And until next time, God bless you.